What's up and welcome to Nostalgia Pod, giving the people their Brockhampton rankings this week, joined by my co-host Dave Martin Swagger. Dave, Brockhampton rankings? Yeah, man. Fucking commas up from the outside. About time. <laughs> Need to let Roadrunner sit in just a little more before we decide where to rank it two weeks later. And here we are, uh, you know, talking about uh, the Internet's favorite boy band who now rejects that title and wants to just be a probably a collective, I guess. Um, Group. Yeah, you know, it, it's it's funny when we started doing the podcast. Um, I think it was what 2018 when Iridescence came out. You said yep. uh, if you listen to all of the Brockhampton albums and catch up in time, I forgot what it was. You said you would like watch or listen to something. I think it was like a documentary. I probably wanted to talk about, and so I did. And we talked about Iridescence and then Ginger. I think you touched on uh, on our 2017. 2017 year end list um the the saturation albums that came out that year so rockhampton very much been a part of the pod as we've been working through obviously you mentioned the roadrunner review we did just a couple weeks ago check that out soundcloud.com slash nostalgia pod and youtube.com slash nostalgia pod but dave when you originally got into brockhampton being the first one of out of us to do so what drew you to them yeah, well, there's just a lot of hype and excitement about them in 2017. And for me, I wasn't aware of what Brockhampton was in relation to Kevin Abstract at the time. I think I caught up on Saturation 1 right as Saturation 2 came out, roughly. I don't remember exactly, but June and August were those first two Saturation albums. So it was a short amount of time. Um, I remember their very first tour they did a small venue show in Boston. I thought about going, but I was like, I'm not fully caught up on the second album yet. I can't, I don't think I should go and be fake about it. And now I have really deep regrets about not going to that show. <laughs> I did go to their second show in 2018. Um, <laughs> but because like I had known who Kevin Abstract was for a little bit, especially specifically off his uh, second album, American Boyfriend, because he got a lot of press because he was an openly gay rapper. And there's, not a lot of those now and this is of course before Tyler the Creator even had come out and obviously Frank Ocean's not really a full-time rapper so there really wasn't much of a comparison point and he also was making you know some pretty decent music I think that was the Mistress America song off that album got a lot of buzz um and I wasn't aware of Brockhampton's debut mixtape All American Trash that came out uh earlier in 2016 before Kevin's second album so I really had kind of just missed that initial boat. But uh, yeah, in 2017, it was really hard to uh, miss the excitement. And of course, that really dovetailed with Saturation 3 coming out that December as well. Yeah, you know, um, going back and, and catching up on these albums in a row was really a pleasure. And uh just kind of doing some of the the look back at how they rolled these out. I mean, they had all American trash in 2016. I think there's a lot of like pieces to what Brockhampton would become, but overall I think 
the album's a bit messy and just a bit underwhelming yeah. when you know when you kind of listen to their whole discography in, in full like i i have the last couple of days catching up but then saturation they started rolling out these singles before they dropped the album and you know they start with face heat drops gold star boys fake i mean six singles leading up to the drop and it's like it's a lot of a lot of music to put out there but they had a lot of music in the can and boy i, I think when saturation one drops after all those singles they just take off and their star obviously shines there's a lot of um i think a buzz at this point from from looking back around like just how unique they are and i think we'll probably be referring back to that a lot as we go through um you know why don't we just kind of like jump in and, and talk about saturation a little bit when you when you think about that album i mean what what stands out to you or what are the the takeaways for you yeah it's a good question because i think i generally especially now looking back think about the saturation trilogy as of a piece but especially of i think of the first two albums together a lot partially because i listened to them around the same time but I think they also kind of sound quite similar. But I mean, yeah, it's the initial stuff is all the key buzzwords, right? Uh, energy, rawness, uh, you, you, <laughs> uniqueness. Like it's all it's all the things people have used to describe them for years at this point. But you know, I, I think it was just quite evident they had such great chemistry. But they're also trying to make interesting songs. Like it's not that anything is super one note. They they are already starting to sing and use auto-tune and do lots of things that they would take to further levels on future albums. They're all doing that already on Saturation 1, and it's kind of cool to look back and see how they kind of ebb and flow within that. But like the, the DNA of everything they've done is right in the, that first album. Um, but I, I also really like that album still because there's a lot of bangers on it, and I'm pro-banger. So that, that's, what, that's what brings me back more often than not, are the bangers. Yeah, and you know, as we kind of work our way through the albums, I think, and especially as we get to our rankings near the end of the show, I know for me, I prefer the the upbeat um, Brockhampton who's bringing the energy a little bit more to the sad boy Brockhampton, which I know it's you can't really uh, have one without the other because they are a, a group that is very much about their emotions, about feeling things i mean even a lot of songs on like saturation just about like feeling lonely wanting to hang out with people um also obviously queerness is a major part of the i think what the draw to that that originally drew to them kevin abstract very open about his sexuality and a lot of his lyrics as well as some of the other people in the group at times will touch on queerness um which i think is is great and um obviously not something that you at least at this point had been talked a lot about in mainstream hip hop. And so them being a kind of a group leading that push is um, I think a testament to them and their openness, but with that openness, like, like we mentioned, sometimes you do get those sad boy songs, but not a lot of that on saturation and just kind of like looking down this playlist here, you know, starting off with heat right into gold and then into star. I mean, like that album opening is just, such a I think a great encapsulation of what they're able to do because heat is like you mentioned that raw energy it's very funky very weird 
really heavy bass the chorus literally them screaming fuck you you know yeah. <laughs> like it's it's Joba. so yeah so them and then you get to gold and that is just like pure pop hip-hop brockhampton catchy ass hook um everybody just super smooth over the track and it's like they have these dualities within the group that i think make them such a great listen yeah i think with sat one the uh gold that was probably their first hit song as a group it's kind of been funny to look back and as i just as i remember what song was the most popular song from time to time now obviously it's later songs like ginger but at the time gold was clearly their biggest song off saturation one and has one of their trademarks as you said which is just a really catchy hook that's performed mainly by kevin and he did that a few more times on this album as you mentioned with heat uh that that fuck you uh hook is joba that's really his only contribution to that song and sat one is obviously notable because joba is not really laying down that hot 16 just yet and his growth as a performer on mic later on in the brockhampton story is obviously one of the best developments but it's actually quite i think quite impressive that saturation one is as great as it is with joba being relatively muted and kind of to, on the side on the, all the songs he's on you know yeah um and I, I think the thing i find most impressive i mean there's some skits throughout this it's a 17 track yeah. album but there's very few, Roberto. <laughs> there's a, there's not really a lot of skips i think like maybe face is a, a track that i don't really like want to come back to a lot but even like waste i think sets up the structure of these saturation albums where they kind of start off with this like really visceral opening track and then they usually end with that more like boy bandish like i don't know like acoustic guitar type song that yeah i think they, they gain i think some more notoriety in later albums for but always kind of had this like nice uh closer to these albums and uh, i think for them to kind of go from all american trash to this is such a huge jump just in mm. terms of quality, in terms of vision. There's just so much yeah. uh, growth from one year to the next. and Only like a year plus later, too. It's not a long time. Yeah, it's crazy. And, and you, you mentioned that you kind of think about Sat 1 and 2 together. Does that mean that you kind of like see them as like equal albums to each other in terms of quality? Uh, I think Sat 2 is a level up, not to get ahead, but... Uh just because I think it's a lot of the similar things. I, I just happen to like more of the tracks or like if there's a similar track on those first two albums, I generally lean towards the one on the second album. But like I said, you have a lot of those trademarks starting really early. We mentioned the Kevin hook. I mean, Kevin does that, you know, in terms of like just that him being super catchy. Uh, that's a big part of uh, face. Mm -hmm. sorry fake as well you know um boys of course hella boys like it's a really not a really catchy one um but on the other hand uh, i think trip is a really notable entry because that's all autotune and from from everyone on the song you know i think the way amir comes in on that flow um flying on my rocket ship like it sounds great but another introduction of stuff they would keep doing in terms of like distorting their vocals and just changing how they sound here it is on that first album mm -hmm. uh, but yeah I, I i really like the the the, the quick growth or progression you could say onto saturation too no question yeah you know um just to 
kind of shout out one more part from sat one really i really enjoy the song swim and i think that is like basically the forebear to like san marcos and some of those other like more uh boy bandage type hits like i was talking about with mm-hmm. the closer um and waste but let's move on to set two because um i think for me i like the highs of sat one a little bit more um and sat two i feel like maybe as an album works a little bit more together i feel like there's a little bit more of a like eclectic type musical experimentation to this or there's a lot of like middle eastern latin type flair to parts of these songs um but i don't know if i feel like the highs on this one are quite as high as the uh, sat one what what's what stands out to you when you think about saturation two yeah to me i think the highs are actually better uh i i think sat two that sat two has my favorite brockhampton song straight up mm. sweet uh, I think that's just kind of a quintessential Brockhampton song. You have just about everybody on the song laying a verse. It's really catchy. It's really good verses. It just bangs. Uh, and then the first track on the album, Gummy, had that on my top 10 songs of 2017. Uh, that's just, you know, A1 banger from them. I think rivals all their other bangers as the best kind of song from them doing that. Uh, but yeah, I, I think I think that's right. I, I, I think... Uh, Maybe Sat 1 has more songs I like overall, but Sat 2, I think I just, the, the top of Sat 2 for me is, is just really, really high. And I think that that uh, continues on, like right after Gummy, you have Queer. I remember seeing uh, Brockhampton live in early 2018, right after they opened with Boogie, they went into Queer and, you know, Matt on fire on that song, right? And Merlin going on fire and like, the first off fuck Dolce and Gabbana part. Like that was like a really like big call and response moment that the entire crowd was super into from the second <laughs> song being performed. Like it was an amazing moment. Uh, and then later on this album, I think lyrically there's, there's a, there's some big growth because you have junkie where Kevin is getting really introspective, but also Matt is very openly talking about like uh, uh, domestic violence and stuff like that. So yeah, I, I'm in the bag for Sat too. Yeah, you know, um, if if I'm comparing these, it's like uh, a nine point one and a nine point oh. Yeah, it's a lot of nitpicking here. <laughs> yeah, um, both of these albums are really, really great. You know, the the two you kind of highlighted, Gummy and Sweet. Um, I, a lot of, they have like kind of a similar, like strong, uh, like song structure almost in, in a sense in my head for some reason you know it's kind of like that like um i don't know like toned down like beat it's kind of like groovy and it feels like it has like a little bit of i don't even know what what is like the weirdness to it like how, how to even describe it but they all kind of have that like i don't know indescribable eclecticness to me on this album um you know even something like teeth um to me stands out as being like something you don't hear in a lot of other places. Like this has like kind of like that, uh, choral, like chorus, like, like doo-wop sound almost in the background to that song. And I think like the, at times I feel like some of the song structures on this album are a little bit samey, but they all really go. Like you're, you're completely right on sweet. I wrote that down as one of the clear highlights and it really has like that Punjabi like vibe to it that just, Mm -hmm makes it so fun to listen to 
yeah, I mean, I imagine that's Ramil's influence producing uh, or Jabari. But yeah, the funny thing about Sweet is those last three tracks don't make any impression on me at all whenever I revisit them, Gamba, Sunny, or Summer. I think it's like Sweet's just like so much better. That's like that one does kind of fade out at the end there for me. Um, mm-hmm. I think also notable here would be Tokyo because that first yeah. verse on that song opens up from Joba. And that's again, Joba finally becoming now what we know as a really eclectic, uh, energetic performer. You never really know what you're going to get from him. That's one of the first examples of this in him really giving you a big part of a song. And, you know, it's again, it's, it's often hard to describe how he is on the mic. Yeah. And I, you know, listening to Roadrunner and then going back to and hearing Tokyo, I think you really hear a lot of the like jazziness that they they touch on in Roadrunner at times in Tokyo. You know, it has that like saxophone, it, like kind of just in the background of the song the whole time. Um, I also really like Junkie, it has this like real horror vibe to it with like the strings just being plucked the whole time, which I thought was really awesome. Um, and Jello stood out to me too, um, just as like a last like good track to point out on my end um for that too anything else before we kind of move on to the the third in the trilogy Uh, i would just say swamp is another example of a catchy hook from kevin the uh Mm -hmm. fucking comes up on the outside him and matt so like it's just really solid rock anthem song them doing stuff you know and two albums in it's like there's so much familiarity already but yet everything's also unfamiliar because they (laughs) still feel so fresh you know yeah the, the freshness I, is the familiar definitely and there's uh oh also should note um uh queer is our first entry from brian Beatty, the uh frequent collaborator uh you know with brock hampton of course he pops up later on sat three would bleach but this is our first uh you know mention of him and of course he was on roadrunner plenty coming up but uh yeah saturation three uh longer wait than sat one and two and definitely a bit more different sound it still feels like part of a part of a piece part of this trilogy but i think it's a different record like i I definitely think about it distinctly yeah you know it's interesting because i think it starts off very similarly boogie is just pure raw funky energy you have those police sirens it's just like it goes fucking hard Man. Best boy band since One Direction. <laughs> um, break next on the chiropractor. Um, <laughs> but then I do feel like, I feel like it, it tones down a little bit in the second half. Is that kind of what you feel like is the difference between Sat 1 and 2 and 3 for you? Totally, totally. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot more auto-tune on this. Yeah. And I think it's often often to good effects. Like there, there are quite popular songs on this, like say Zipper. but and, and also you have what they would do too much of later on in Ginger and you have Bleach, of course. Bleach is their second biggest song by sales figures, but that is much more a pop song. You know, that going in, listening to songs like Face and Star and then hearing Bleach, it's like almost unrecognizable, right? Because yeah. before, when they would be a sung hook, often by Kevin, but I said Ryan Beatty starts showing up too, it was still largely around hip-hop arrangements and verses and stuff but now you get songs like bleach and Mm -hmm. songs like rental you know like there's a lot of other examples of them doing different stuff and leaning more into that boy band stuff more more pop uh adjacent you know yeah no for sure um you know and you also i think start to see them 
really toying with some of the more like the longer epic really like switch up songs like when i think about sat three a song that really stands out to me and i think in in a good way and a bad way is sister nation um because i think like the first part of that song is like very classic Brockhampton you know it has that like boom bum 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 and they're just like going hard off it but then it kind of switches up and becomes a lot more of the sound we start to hear on like iridescence and ginger with like the guitars are kind of the driving force and they're really kind of smashing together hip-hop and rock but I don't know if it fully works for that song um and it, it kind of to me feels a bit like aimless by the the very end but um I, I think the fact that they're experimenting with that sound kind of is a precursor to where they end up on roadrunner a lot of the time and done and that they really crushed on roadrunner in my opinion yeah um i don't know i i, I guess also just kind of looking down the list here i think a lot of the songs stand out less to me as just like bangers and just kind of like feel more just like a a part of whatever they were going for here yeah totally that, that that's my biggest takeaway especially reflecting now uh you know over three years later uh, saturation three i have a lot of songs i downloaded on my phone but i really don't re- revisit most much of this album apart from boogie obviously boogie feels very at home with songs like gummy and star and gold and stuff classic early Brian and bangers but the rest of the songs don't don't really fit that vibe to me um, it's not that I dislike any of the songs. Like I think on Alaska, that, that's a good yeah. rap song. Um, and I, I like Johnny. Johnny's just fine. But, uh, you know, I, I don't I don't revisit Saturation 3 the way I thought I would when I first listened to it. Um, so that's why I, I definitely think of it differently than the first two albums. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think it, well, in our rankings, that will probably reflect for me a little bit. Um, why don't we move on to Iridescence? which you can check out our iridescence review, youtube.com slash nostalgia pod. Um, yeah, but I remember listening to iridescence and I really liked iridescence, even if I don't think this is like the best, uh, you know, I guess I'm stepping on my list a little bit. I don't think this is the best Brockhampton album. Mm-hmm. I still think there's a lot of moments in here that really stood out to me. Um, and I feel like they're really kind of finding their form. Um yeah how did you feel about your destiny just in general yeah i think that's kind of how it's crystallized for me as well is that iridescence obviously coming at a different time in the group's career amir van has left the group at this point uh due to you know controversy surrounding uh sexual harassment allegations and and whatnot and also apparently um poor communication behind the scenes with the group and other stuff we're really not that privy to. But either way, you understand why this album sounds so different. Mm-hmm. Also, the lack of presence on the song from Amir opens up room for more verses from Merlin and, of course, more performances from Joba and also, unfortunately, in my opinion, more Bareface. <laughs> but either way, like you're filling in a gap because Amir, alongside Kevin, was pretty clearly like the most competent, accomplished rapper on the first three Brockhampton albums, as such as to remove him from iridescence, just there's there's gaps that they had to fill. But I do look on iridescence as a really sophisticated album, even if it sounds quite different than the rest of the stuff. And 
I think there's stuff that could be familiar, like that first track, New Orleans, you know, Dom mm-hmm. starts that off with a bang and that, that re- that's reminiscent of a rap banger from them and followed right up with where the cash at another uh, Merlin and Matt uh, two hander, like, uh, like queer. But other than that, this is, this, this, this feels like them going more into the, the softer stuff, which they had started to do at sat three, but also I think, which is what's probably most famous from this album, is just like the distortion, the vocal effects, the mm-hmm. stark production choices from Ramil and Jabari. It just it sounds a lot different and reflexive of how, what the group was going through. Remember, they they had a tough time on the festival circuit uh, in 2018 after Amir had left and whatnot yeah. in terms of just you know keeping their composure and whatnot. So it makes sense that this is the album that uh, resulted. But I, I, st- I look on it pretty fondly, even if I, I don't revisit it as much as a lot of the older stuff. I still think I think the songs are still a lot of songs are really top notch. Yeah, I, you know, just listening to this back and I, I, I think I come back to a few of the, the songs when I come back to the album as a whole. Um, you know, you mentioned a lot of them, but things like Honey really stand out to me. Um, you know, it has that like churning energy in the first half and just that awesome flow who i'm trying to remember who it was i think it might be merlin in, in the first mm-hmm. half of that um but you know that that comes right after uh juvert which i think yeah. is uh, just joba baby yeah just a fucking awesome song san marcos is probably the like sad boy song that i think i go back to most with brock hampton because i think it has probably the refrain that uh is most like pop friendly for them you know and they actually yeah. did a really great um like a version for that i think it was too it might have been like a version or a different cover but um you know it it feels like they're certainly kind of continuing that energy from sat three but starting to mix in the bangers more here um you mentioned new orleans great track you also said where the cash out which i had written down as a standout but i think also the a lot of these songs are forgettable like if i played fabric for you would you know what that song no. sounds like yeah i have it on my movie. phone here too but i don't know it's not <laughs> one i remember all too much yeah and i think that's the thing is like some of these songs were hitting and some of them just were not and it was obviously a band that was finding themselves and trying things and right uh going through a lot so uh, right and it, it makes definitely. sense that it's more like hit or miss for i think the average person that's the sentiment i've gathered too is but uh you know on the san marcos front i'm a big fan of tanya which I believe was an early single for the album. And I, I distinctly remember not caring about it all too much when I first heard it, because it was pretty obvious that they were going in a different direction than saturation. In the context of the album, I, I really like it. And I had that on my top 10 list. And in terms of being a more lyrical, uh, s- sad song, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I know District is quite well liked as well, but there's a lot of other stuff that I just really don't don't care for. But it also, I think, makes sense. Those are definitely trying stuff and throwing darts in a certain sense, production-wise and performance-wise. Yeah, and I, I think you might have mentioned this, but this was also their first record under RCA. Um, That's right. Yeah. Which I think you can kind of hear that the... I, don't, I wouldn't say that the production is like way better or anything like that, but I, I think it sounds a little glossier than maybe some of the... Uh, uh, it was recorded at Abbey Road. So yeah, it should. I might have done something uh, with it. <laughs> And I think that energy you had kind of been feeling from Sat Three and Iridescence really comes to a head on Ginger. You know, uh, just a, a year later, 2019, 
Uh, Ginger is a a fine album, but I think it's just not the right energy for me, you know. And I think if you have to look at this as, as like a a band who's really like facing a reckoning almost with themselves and their their place in the world and you know like who they are at this point commercial success definite uh yeah their biggest album yeah album by, by a far. wide margin sugar they're probably their biggest hit to this point Pla- only platinum song but man i don't know just when l- listening back again i was like this is, all sounds just very sad and, and it's not not my favorite Brockhampton music to listen to, like we kind of preface with. No, totally. And I think that was the thing. I was just quite turned off when I heard Ginger because like I just this is not what I wanted. You know, selfishly, I did not want to hear this after iridescence. Iridescence is like, well, I, I'm not going to listen to iridescence all that much, but I appreciate what you're doing here, and I think it's pretty well done. I didn't think Ginger was actually that well done. It's like they fell further into the moodiness that mm-hmm. clearly had just been consuming their personal lives and what was inspiring to them you know yeah uh, there's moments there's moments like i really love no halo i think that's a tremendous track mm-hmm. but and i, I love the uh, g-funk sample on saint percy there's no love in the ghetto i think that's really catchy um but man like sugar boy bye i know these are well liked songs especially by like the more pop inclined fans of brockhampton mm-hmm. they don't really do a lot for me and dearly departed like you know i'm the i'd rather listen to uh tanya in san marcos than that so yeah i I think sugar is a a pretty good track i mean it's it's catchy and um it's kind of what you hear in the dna of a song like gold really i mean not not to like the funkiness of it but just like that catchy hook um but boy bye i actually really like a lot um it kind of reminds me of the vibe that action bronson has been going for a little bit in terms of just that bump 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 but like i i don't know if um you know like obviously the lyrics aren't there um in in terms of action bronson's weirdness i would say Uh, yeah i think you hit the nail on the head they really fell into the moodiness um of, of what was going on in their life and it makes sense that this is the album that came out i think but I also think it made for maybe some of their like less least interesting music probably since uh, all American trash. So we end up two years later with Roadrunner New Light, the first of two albums that are allegedly coming out this this year. Right. And uh, supposedly the first of the their two final albums. Um, I think notably with Roadrunner. Um, we get a lot of features, which we got first time. Of. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the, we, we spoke about a lot recently. We don't need to go too far into it, but just like reflecting on Roadrunner a little, a couple of weeks after what, what's standing out to you time to digest. Yeah. So as you said, this is their third album on RCA records, but apart from the Dua Lipa feature on the sugar remix, which was obviously a chart play, they have not dabbled in, bringing out high profile guests obviously they had a budget to bring people in if they wanted but they had not done that to this point and that's exciting on its face but it's even more exciting when they're used as effectively as they are on roadrunner new lightning machine uh danny brown jpeg mafia okay those are not the most mainstream of rappers despite you know them all being signed and whatnot but no they got asap rocky and Shawn mendez on this holy shit <laughs> And they're used great. I thought Rocky sounded amazing. 
uh, just having Sean Mendes come back Hilarious. full circle after, you know, lyrics from Kevin about Mendes, uh, on set one prior. Really great. Yeah. Crazy. Um, yeah. Awesome. And I, I really feel like, and we, we talked about this, it's them. I feel like Roadrunner is them finding a lot of their like swing with these different genres that they kind of bounce between. Like, uh, you, you talk about, um, don't shoot up the party right and this is like that like g-funk sound but totally and you hear them doing things like that in other songs but this is like the apex of that for them i feel like or at least the best that they've done to this this point no i totally agree yeah and you you hear like a song like the light which uh we mentioned was a standout for both of us but that feels like them kind of meshing that like rock vibe and also like that the the sad boy lyrics but in a way that feels so much more interesting and uh something you want to sit with i mean you got a fucking danny brown track like is there a artist that was like made to like do a feature with Brockhampton more than Danny Brown. I feel like their weirdness is just like meant to like mesh no. together. So it works I mean, out really great. The, the only person I would think of is like a friend of theirs, Jaden Smith, who of course guests yeah. on New Orleans on Iridescence briefly. But like, yeah, Danny Brown, perfect fit, you know? And I thought JPEG Mafia crushes it on Chain On. Um, you know, Windows, we noted also was a clear highlight off Roadrunner. Total posse cut. Every, that's the only track where you have all seven uh you know main performers in Brockhampton on the same track on Roadrunner gives you a lot of sweet vibes I think in terms of the verses doesn't have quite the same type of catchy hook this time around but you know Matt has come a long way as a rapper and like not that he hadn't been good before but I think he's you know really pushing it and again they have to do their best to fill the rapping void with Amir not around so that most of that falls on Matt and Merlin and obviously Joba is doing a lot here you know of uh, yeah. speaking to uh, you know intense trauma that he experienced in his personal life very mm-hmm. directly on songs like the light but uh yeah Roadrunner to me it's funny because they're super pop inclined on lots of these songs but it does not feel like they're abandoning the hip-hop roots at all and that's what I love about it so much yeah you know, I there's a moment that has like stuck in my mind for one reason or another, but I feel like it really encapsulates them as a group, or at least how I see them as a group really well. Um, but but also kind of like them holding on to those hip hop roots, which is in Windows when Merlin starts to rap and he's really starting to go off, and in the background it's like "Go Merlin." Yeah, go. Totally. it's just like such a nice little touch, but it really like just feels so authentic for this this group for Brockhampton. It's just really. Uh, really nice and I mean we'll, we'll see if we get more of this I have to imagine if they're starting to venture into features that we'll probably start to see that become somewhat of a mainstay on, on future albums at least probably the other one this year um, we'll see do you, do you think we're going to get the uh, second one this year if you had to bet yeah I mean this came out early enough right I have to imagine um, yeah you know they've they've mentioned album names many times before that didn't come to pass team effort and puppy come to mind so don't never get attached to anything they promise, whether if that's finality or naming conventions. But <laughs> given that the RCA record deal was for six albums, you have to fill it there. They want to get this one out there. Um, and as we mentioned on the Roadrunner review, I'm not exactly sure exactly where that math stands in terms of albums they have left on their deal. But yeah, I expect we'll be hearing more from them. They've been quite active promoting this one. 
Yeah. I, I think we will too. Um, I don't know if it'll come out, you know, the time frame that they're saying, but I think we'll probably get it at some point this year. Um, all right. I think we got to do it now. We've gone through the albums. Let's, let's start from, I guess we're going to do six to one since I think we both agree. Uh, all American trash is a mixtape and therefore is not a, uh, an album, but I think it would probably be my seventh. Would it be your seventh? Yeah, it would be my seventh too. Like apart from like Ben Carson, like I just not a lot of songs. I yeah. care for on that one, to be honest, like you can, you can see the, the DNA of what they were going for, but it was still not super refined. Yeah. And I, I'm seeing here for you that you have uh ginger on the same tier. Dave did a, a tier ranking here. So I imagine that would be your number six. Yeah, totally. Ginger is just not for me. As we said, it's uh definitely the most disappointed i was going into an album no question well so dave i i'm looking at our uh i'm looking at my list and looking at your rankings i think we're very similar here so i had i also had ginger at number six and number five for me is saturation three yeah that yep same for you so and then, we did not collaborate on these rankings no, we did not and then iridescence was my number four yep um but where, where we start to differ is my number three is saturation two Okay. Um, which I think if you listen to the review beforehand, you could probably guess that, um, you know, I, I think not the, these top three, I think what I would all put kind of in the same tier where I think they're all really excellent albums. They're, yeah, I think they're pretty easily the, their three best, uh, whatever your order might be. Uh, I think they're, they're like, they're, they're definitely ahead, like head and shoulders above everything else, like saturation three still like it but you know especially taking the time now to look back i think saturation three is clearly on a different peg lower than the other two yeah and as we talked about for me um unlike dave the highs of sat two um weren't enough i think to kind of buoy it up for me i think there are some really awesome hits i'll give dave a little bit of space to vamp about it but um just wasn't as good for me as the top two um and it looks like you had sat one as your number three is that right that's right yeah it's super close i mean I, rem- I remember when i did my rankings in 2017 sat one made my album list and gummy made my song list so sat two was not uh at the top when i first did this but upon reflection i think my heart's with sat two at the top yeah i also had roadrunner at two like you um, right so then yeah we, we don't want to be different. hyperbolic and put it one yet i think that <laughs> I've seen people say it's their best album in reviews and whatnot. I mean, I don't think it's like a hot take at all, if that's people's takeaway. Mm-hmm. I think it really depends on how much you like the early stuff, whether you yeah. think that. Because Roadrunner is really great. It just, I think it just depends on how high you are in the first two saturations. Yeah, you know, I, I almost put it at number one. Like, it was really neck and neck for me. I think what kind of made me take a step back was just, it's so new. I just want to let it, like, have some longevity before I'm saying, okay, this is definitely there. Because for something like saturation to, you know, still be hitting this hard, you know, for uh, four years, or I guess going on four years later, um, just is really impressive for me. And I think when I think about also where, like how Brockhampton came to be this unique, uh, very, uh, very modern hip hop boy band group, it's all there in saturation one and Mm -hmm. you know, right, right from the first song um, you pretty much can hear right from heat that they're, they're bringing an energy that no one else has. And then to flow into gold and just the, you know, the other standouts uh, that we mentioned, you know, whether Mm -hmm. it's star. Yep. 
uh, Trip, Fake. I mean, Boys, these are, are great songs and that they were making right as they were kind of kicking off. So uh, definitely my number one for now, but Roadrunner could catch that. Talk to me why Saturation 2 is your number one. Yeah, for me, it's really, it's gummy and sweet, man. I think they're my two favorite <laughs> songs from them, and <laughs> there's a lot of weight for me. Um, I should note on this tier ranking list, like Sat One's really also a tier for me. Like, spare me the comments. I just like the aesthetics of everything, <laughs> not gapped. But yeah, yeah I, 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 to me, there's a clear grouping with the first two saturations and Roadrunner, and then everything else. Yeah, but uh, yeah, those first two tracks. Uh, uh, sorry, gummy sweet as well as queer like mm-hmm. but as you said sat one also has so many keepers so yeah. uh i definitely waffled on which one i like more yeah but i feel like i've really settled in a sweet being my favorite Brockhampton song so i wanted to go that way yeah you know i i don't want to put you too much on the spot i know you mentioned gummy and sweet are standouts for you any other like Brockhampton songs that are like definitely in your top like five or ten i mean boogie is clearly boogie right? yeah uh so Gummy, sweet, boogie, uh, star, gold. Yeah, those are easy ones. I feel like. Don't shoot and up then, the party for me now. Also, right? Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like like those are all like kind of like Brockhampton canon at this point. Like everyone loves those tracks, yeah. and like how you fill that out. Like obviously, like you got your district heads. You know, you got your bleach people, your sugar people. Like there's a lot of ways you can go. I think to fill out a Brockhampton top 10 and I think song rankings uh it's hard to find people with the same ranking you know because they obviously they have so much music out there but because of their range and volume it just makes for a lot of different tastes yeah you know I um it's funny because there's one track that really stands out but it, we weren't able to talk about because it, it was just a loose single and that's Wildfire 1999 and I feel like yes. that's definitely in my top five maybe uh Yes, uh, one of my one of my favorite tracks. I think of what was it, twenty nineteen? Right. It came out. So. I well, that's another piece of being a Brockhampton fan is they have they put out loose tracks. There's that whole nineties ninety series on YouTube. I think there's three or four of them. Right, Wildfire is obviously the best one. Uh, there were loose tracks early days around All American Guys, like Bed Eye, which is a really good track. Um, last year, twenty twenty, they put out stuff on the YouTube and they delisted everything. So if you didn't get those, then uh, you might be out of luck unless you can f- track them down on YouTube or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's another fun thing too, because they change their mind on like their like album plans and stuff. Often you just kind of get random tracks once in a while. Yeah, no, it's uh, they're they're a fun group to follow. There's always seems to be something interesting that they're either making, talking about, um, you know, trying out their music. So if you haven't. If you've gotten this far in our Brockhampton review and you haven't listened to Brockhampton, you should go back and listen. Um, Very confusing how you'd get this far. <laughs> um, we're going to be doing rankings coming up. So if you have a group, director, uh, a creator of some sort, or something else that you want ranked, let us know. Um, drop us a line at NostalgiaPod on Twitter. Um, we'll be doing Drake very soon. Wes Anderson, I think, is down the pipeline somewhere. <laughs> Anderson Anything- Pack. Yes. Obviously, we're going to do Kanye one day. Oh, God. Well, it's funny because as I'm listening to Brockhampton, I just keep thinking like, oh, you know, you hear so much of like Kanye nerd influence yeah. here. Ma- Mac Little Miller t- and some Tyler. Yes. Oh, Odd Future is very evident. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, hit us, a, hit us with a like, a follow, anything. 
on all of our social youtube.com slash nostalgia pod and drop your rankings below in the comments on youtube or whatever platform you're listening to this on see you next week yeah.